Today on Hardwired. If you leave it to God, He'll open doors and shut doors, bring mountains down, bring valleys up. He'll make a way for the Lord in your life. If you leave it to the Lord, God will take care of you. It may not be in your time. As a matter of fact, it will not be in your timing. It'll be way after you thought it was time, but it'll be the best time. It'll be God's time, and He will take care of you if you leave it in His hands. But the test will always be, is there in you David or Saul? You're listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. It's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and hear about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference as it's hardwired into your life, your relationships, and your future. You may be stuck in traffic or maybe even stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help you get on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. And if for any reason you have to break away before the end of the program, you can always catch it at our website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. So let's go ahead and get right into today's message. Here's Pastor Jeff to set it up for us. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you for joining us. We've been talking about Bible characters that went through incredible trials, difficulties, I mean fiery ordeals, and yet they emerged on the other side in a place of promotion, stronger, better, more mature than before the trial ever began. And today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite Old Testament characters, and likely one of yours as well, David. And David's dilemma, what he faced in trial, and how he overcame. I believe this is really gonna speak to you. And listen, if you're down and out, if you're struggling, if your faith is being challenged to the nth degree, tune in, listen carefully, grab a Bible, and track with me. I can't wait to share part two of the message, David's Dilemma. Let's go. When God anoints you, he gives you something that other people need. And I want you to understand today, church, that every one of you have been anointed by God. Simon Peter in his epistle wrote about every believer has a gift. Every believer has at least a singular gift from God. And it comes with the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is the New Testament anointing. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is the New Testament anointing. And with that anointing, with that gift comes an appointing. God gives you something that other people need. Every one of you have a gift that somebody else needs. God often gets us to the task he has for us by creating a need for what we have. If you'll read the story, David was a worshiper with an anointing that repelled demons. That was one of his many gifts. He would play the harp and his anointing for music would repel demons. In that way, he's a type of Christ because Jesus repelled demons. The gift that was cultivated in the shadows when nobody was looking, when he was out there under the stars, sleeping in the fields, playing songs to God, writing psalms, that gift that had been in the shadows now came to light because Saul is being troubled by a demon. And God is creating a need for David's gift. The Bible says that Saul became so troubled, he said to one of his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, 
the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing. He's a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. And the Lord, most of all, the Lord is with him. Somebody is watching you while you're in the shadows who's going to talk about you when it's time for you to come into the light. And it says they sought David out and brought him to Saul. And here is the king of Israel, troubled by a devil, troubled by a demon spirit. And David pulled out the harp and he began to play. And the Bible says, as he played, that Saul experienced relief and deliverance from the demon spirit. As David ministered deliverance, it says, he became Saul's armor bearer, which is exactly what God wanted. God put a call on him, anointed him, then he appointed him, then he created a need for his gift. Then when he met that need, he stepped into the very position God wanted him in. Let me tell you something. David's brothers were not blessed when they saw him anointed to be king. Saul was not blessed when as the king he heard a song being sung, a top 40 Israeli hit, and the theme was Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. I mean, it crawled all up and down him. It did not make his day. It did not make his year. Saul would never be the same from this point on, and neither would David. Then Saul was very angry, the Bible says, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have? Uh-oh, but the kingdom. So Saul eyed David from that day forward, and that means viewed him with suspicion. He became number one on Saul's hit list. He was the number one most wanted after this. From this point on, everything began to change. David's former mentor now became a monster. We read of the tragic decline of their relationship in many places in the Bible. Here's one. 1 Samuel 18, 12. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. So he was afraid of him because the Lord was with him. You know, some people don't just dislike you. They dislike you because they sense on you him. It's that heavenly fragrance. They really don't know what it is that drives them nuts when they get around you. What repels them, what disturbs them. As long as you're not being obnoxious, as long as you're not being difficult, if you're walking in love and you're being kind and loving and long-suffering and they don't like you, it's because, and they may not fully understand it, but they sense that the Lord is on you. The Lord is within you and the Lord is with you. Oh man, he got into bad circumstances after this happened. It says twice after this, Saul tried to kill him with a spear. Can you imagine sitting there at dinner? And at the end of dinner, you see in your host's hand a spear and something funny comes into his eyes and he leans back, pulls his hand back and hurls a spear at you. That's when you say, it's been real. God bless you. I believe the next invitation I will decline. When jealousy enters the heart, there is always a spear in the hand. When jealousy enters the heart, there's a spear in the hand. Once he attempted to kill David by placing him in a difficult battle, thinking that in the battle he would be killed. The Bible says that another time he sent assassins to kill him. Saul used spies, he used bribes, and he used an army in his attempts to kill David. At first it was veiled and shielded and in the shadows, but now he's being brazen about it. I want you dead. I don't care who knows it. I'm going to vilify you. I'm going to demonize you. I'm going to criticize you and slander you till nobody in Israel will have a thing to do with you. And if I find you, I'm going to kill you because you're not getting my throne. There were times when you read David's story, his fears got the best of him. And I'm so glad the Bible tells the truth about the people in it. It makes me feel better. There were times when his fears got the best of him and he leaned on the flesh rather than on faith. 
For instance, when he knew that Saul was out to get him, he fled. He went to the temple where Abiathar the priest was, and he lied to him. And in fear and in state of panic, thinking that Saul was three steps behind him, he said to Abiathar the priest, he said, hey, listen, Saul has sent me on a journey. Saul has sent me on a task to do a task. He sent me on a mission. You know what? We don't have enough food. And so because we're in a hurry to get to this mission, we need some food. Can we eat the showbread that is dedicated to God? Do you mind if we just grab some bread from the temple and then move on down the road to fulfill Saul's mission for us? Abiathar looked him up and down. Something didn't sound right. Something didn't ring true. It rattled around in his spirit for a minute, but this was David. This was David who had slain tens of thousands. This was the giant killer. So he said, well, sure, David, here, here, here's some bread. And David said, do you have any weapons? Now it's really strange and funny. What do you mean? Saul sent you on a mission and you don't have weapons? Well, we're kind of short a sword or two. So he says, okay, well, we do have one sword here. It's the sword you brought here, David, and that you put in the house of God. It's the trophy sword. It's Goliath's sword. It's right there on the wall. David said, there's none like it. Give it to me. Listen to me, church. Today's victories often produce tomorrow's weapons. Today's victories often produce tomorrow's weapons. Do you think that David ever imagined when he dedicated that sword to the glory of God and the house of God that one day he would need to take it to protect himself from an insane king? Life throws curveballs. And sometimes it doesn't look like God's in charge, but he is. David took it and he fled. Well, it wasn't long. There was somebody standing right there. His name was Doeg the Edomite. And Doeg went and told Saul, David was just in the temple. He took food, he took the sword. Saul came, he approached the priest and he said to him, is this what happened? He said, I didn't know anything about this problem with you and dad. I didn't know he was doing anything wrong. And Saul right there commanded Doeg, the Edomite, to slaughter not only the priest, but 85 other priests. And there was bloodshed and slaughter of every priest in the house of God. Word came to David later and David knew if I hadn't panicked, if I hadn't lied, if I hadn't misrepresented myself to the priest, he would be alive today. He had to deal with that guilt. Then he went in front of Akish, the king of the Philistines, and he heard Akish turn to somebody and say, hey, isn't that the giant killer? And isn't that the one who killed tens of thousands? Isn't this the one the women of Israel are singing about? And David was afraid. So here's what he did. He started frothing at the mouth. He got a crazy look in his eyes and he acted like he was completely insane. Started clawing the walls. And in acting insane like that, the Bible makes it clear, he dishonored himself. He was leaning on manipulation of flesh instead of trusting God to protect him. And that was in a state of panic. At the end of his life, or not at the end of his life, at the end of his time from fleeing from Saul, he joined the Philistine army, went to the city called Ziklag and looked to the Philistines for protection instead of God. There were times David walked in fear and lost his faith, yet God still blessed him, still carried him through, still saw his heart. Everybody say amen. amen. Now as bad turned to worse, the Bible says, quote, so David saw that Saul had resolved, made up his mind, determined to seek his life. Now I don't know folks, if you know what that would be like, to know that there was an extremely capable person out there who had at his beck and call an army, and he had made up his mind that his number one mission in life was to kill you. Many of the Psalms were written in response to this constant chase, this stalking on the part of Saul. He who had ridden the crest of popularity and success like none other suffered a reversal of fortunes like none other. One man wrote, he ran through soggy fields and down slimy riverbeds 
Sometimes the dogs came close. Sometimes they even found him. But swift feet, rivers, and watery pits hid him. He took his food from the fields, dug roots from the roadside, slept in trees, hid in ditches, crawled through briars and mud. For days he ran, not daring to stop, not daring to eat. He drank the rain, half naked, all filthy. On he walked, stumbled, crawled, and clawed. Caves were castles now. Pits were home. Pastor Jeff will be back in a moment, but first I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Now, you may not be able to stay with us for the entire program, but don't worry. You can find the program at our website, hardwired.org, along with all of the programs from Pastor Jeff. Also, we regularly get emails and calls from listeners just like you who tell us how much the program means to them. But we would love to hear from you too. So let me encourage you to connect with us by calling 877-884-3111 or through the website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org or call 877-884-3111. And now let's get back to Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. In times past, mothers had always told their children that if they did not behave, they'd end up like the town drunk. No longer. They had a better, more frightening story. Be good or you'll end up like the giant killer. Is this David they're talking about? The anointed, the appointed? the poet, the man after God's own heart. What was all this? Why for 10 years was he in such pain, running from Saul, hunted day and night? Talk about having to trust God. Every sound that the wilderness wind carried his way at night made him sit up startled. Is there an assassin out there? My former mentor is now a monster. He's after me. If God doesn't protect me, I'm done. Here was David's dilemma. Here was David's dilemma. It was not that he was being stalked. His main dilemma and his main test was not that he was being stalked. It was not that he was in danger of his life. Here was his main test. Here was David's dilemma. God has a plan for me. King, I'm anointed to be king. Is the God of the plan able to bring that plan to pass? without me becoming like Saul? Don't you see that was his primary test? It was not how good he can duck and dodge. It wasn't how good he could outpace Saul. Here was the test of test of test. Here was David's dilemma. God has a plan for me. He anointed me. I'm supposed to be king, but I'm being stalked, pursued, hunted down. Is the God of the plan able to bring that plan to pass without my taking matters into my own hands? Saul is a picture of the world and its ways. Manipulative, ruthless, cutthroat, conniving, fearful, desperate, power-hungry, self-centered. David was a picture of the kingdom of God and its ways. Trusting, faithful, worshipful, non-power hungry, forgiving, gracious, kind, long-suffering, and obedient. David's dilemma was, can I stay that way? Can I stay that way? Can I stay that way? Can I avoid the ways of Saul? 
Can I trust God to bring his plan to pass in my life without resorting to the ways of Saul? Can God work through this mess to his glory, especially if I stay true to the ways of the kingdom? Can he turn my pain into gain if I do it his way and don't compromise? Oh, you face the same battles. You just don't know it. You got your Saul out there and you have David living within you. Can God promote me in the office if I don't play the manipulative games that are all around me everywhere? Can I reach the top of my profession without stepping on people and being ruthless and being cutthroat? Can I trust a promoting God to promote me? Can I trust God to bring gain out of my pain? Even if I have to suffer doing right, can I believe him to write the last chapter of the book and see me through to the other side, to the glory of God without compromising? Can God handle my enemies if I don't take vengeance into my own hands? Because I want to. <laughs> I want to hit them and then repent. I want to go tell them what for and then tell God I'm sorry. Oops, sorry, Lord. Can I really achieve all of my goals and dreams without pushing and shoving, stepping on others and acting like Saul? Now here's what it really comes down to. Here's what it comes down to. David's dilemma is God really in charge if I don't resort to the flesh? Can the God of the plan bring that plan to pass without me stepping into the flesh? Can he do it? No wonder David wrote so often, how long, Lord? David came to a conclusion about this. And so do you have to, you have to, you have to. As a matter of fact, you're gonna decide one way or the other. I'm gonna get where I wanna go by acting like Saul, which translated means I can't trust God to get me there. I can't trust God to move in this world. I can't trust God to intervene in the affairs of men. I can't trust God to be big enough, strong enough, powerful enough, sovereign enough, providential enough to get me where I believe he wants me. So I'm gonna take matters into my own hands only when I really need to. David came to a conclusion and I've got an underline in my Bible. I've got it circled in my Bible and I've got it highlighted in color in my Bible. It's Psalms 138 verse eight. It says, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Not the Lord and me together. We're a good team. I'll do things, flesh it a little bit here and there and he'll do the rest and we'll get there together by hook or crook. No, no, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Can I tell you something, church? If you leave it to God, he will deal with your enemies. If you leave it to God, he will deal with your circumstances. If you leave it to God, he'll open doors and shut doors, bring mountains down, bring valleys up. He'll make a way for the Lord in your life. If you leave it to the Lord, God will take care of you. It may not be in your time. As a matter of fact, it will not be in your timing. It'll be way after you thought it was time, but it'll be the best time. It'll be God's time and he will take care of you if you leave it in his hands. But the test will always be, is there in you David or Saul? And if there's any Saul in you, that's what the wilderness is there to get out. Amen, Pastor Jeff, this is really speaking to me. Praise God. You can always tell when the wheels are turning. Stay with me, the Lord will. Perfect what concerns me. And I won't have to get fleshly or become like Saul for it to happen. Twice, God allowed Saul to come within David's reach. Oh, and if there was ever a time he could have taken matters into his own hands because one time he's in a cave. He's in a cave. He and his men, 400 men, malcontents, discontents, indebted, real winners from the kingdom. 
And Saul comes in and falls asleep in the front of the cave. His men say to him, don't you know that God has delivered him into your hands? Look at that. He's laying right there. Surely God did this. Surely God did this because he's chasing us everywhere. Here we are. He doesn't know we're in the back of the cave. And there he is. He comes in, lays down and goes to sleep right in the mouth of the cave. It's just Saul. There's 400 of us. Come on, David, let's ascend to the throne. Something inside David said this. If I kill him, I'm just like him. And so if I'm just like him and I enter the throne that way, what does God have but another Saul? So I can't be like Saul to take Saul's place because Saul has been removed because Saul is Saul. And if I kill him, I'm another Saul. And if I get to the throne that way, I'll be removed just like him. So he said, yeah, there he is. But you know what, folks, everything looks like God is not necessarily God. Be careful how you interpret events and circumstances because it sure looked like God put him right into his hand. There he is. David just took out a knife and cut a little bit of his skirt off. And even that convicted the conscience of the man of God because it was manipulative. He wanted to be able to show Saul, see, I could have killed you. God said, don't even, you don't even have to do that. I'm going to take care of that boy. Now there's another time. David and his men have learned that Saul was camped out at a certain place in the dead of night. They sneak into the camp. They walk right up and there is Saul sleeping right before them. There it is again, the same test. I want to tell you what God was after. Listen to me, church, because he's after the same thing in you and me. Here's what he was after. Let me see if my future king has any Saul in him, because if he kills him, we're not ready. We're not ready. If he scratches and claws and pushes and beats people up and is cruel and mean and ruthless, he's not ready for what I have for him. I want to see what's in him. So one of his men says, look, I know you can't do it. Let me do it. I'm feeling the anointing right now. Let me take him out. You can't do it. Cool. We'll tell everybody you didn't do it. But David knew if I tell him he can, then I did it. And so David said, no, 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 we don't do that. And he walked away. Now, you know how he walked away? King material, king material, because there wasn't no Saul in him. And you know the rest of the story. He went and joined himself to the Philistines, messed up again. And when he was off trying to fight against the children of Israel with the Philistines, God wouldn't let him do it. And when he came back to Ziklag, the whole camp was burned. Anytime David resorted to the flesh, it was a catastrophe. And Ziklag had been robbed. His wives, children, his in-laws, and his money, his goods, everything had been taken away by the Amalekites. You know, it says David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He sought God, said, Lord, do I go after them? And God said, go after them, and you will recover all. While the man of God, who had refused to be Saul, who had refused to adopt Saul's ways, who would rather have remained in obscurity than become like Saul, this man chased the Amalekites, overcame them, and while he was fighting the Amalekites in the will of God, under the direction of God, Saul fell at the hand of the Philistines and his enemy was taken out. And David ascended the throne with no blood on his hands. The day came, he didn't even remember the pain because God had healed him. God had brought his will to pass without becoming like Saul. Let me tell you something, everybody. You never have to resort to the flesh to get God's will to come to pass. Ask Abraham, ask Moses, ask David, ask any of the great men in the word of God. Most of them tried to make God's will come to pass in the flesh and it failed. It's when you say, Lord, I surrender all. 
I surrender all, I surrender all. Your timing is your timing, I'm cool with it. Your ways are not my ways, my ways are Saul's ways. I just give my life to you and I give my enemies to you and I give all these things to you and I'm not gonna do, Lord, I just give it to you. I surrender all. And God says, can I hear that one more time? I surrender all. Well, let's see how much you've surrendered because there lay Saul. What are you gonna do with it? You know what? Nothing. I trust you. God says, look there, king, material. Promotion, material. Amen? Say with me, God will heal my pain if I just give it to him and trust him with everything. You've been listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. It would mean the world to us to know how the program has helped you today. So take a quick minute and give us a call, 877-884-3111. Or you can connect with us at our website, hardwired.org. And if you enjoy the program as much as we love bringing it to you, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. There are daily costs associated with the program, and we truly do depend on the faithful financial support of our listeners like you to allow us to be on this station. So please, consider partnering with us today with your gifts to this ministry. You can call us at 877-884-3111 or go to the website hardwired.org. Again, call 877-884-3111 or at our website hardwired.org. Thank you for your loyal partnership as we couldn't do this without you. And finally, Pastor Jeff is the founder and senior pastor of the vibrant Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're ever in the area, we hope you'll stop by and say hi. And let us know that you listen to the program. That would really make our day. And Pastor Jeff would love to meet you personally, too. So till next time, have a great day. And thanks so much for listening to Hardwired.